Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. With me today, I have co-host Elliot, as well as Jason Blake Rundle. Hello. He is the owner and operator of Metaphor, Mixed Metaphor <laughs> Studios. I am the owner of Metaphors, too. <laughs> you have both of those. And we're going to talk about your songwriting, which is obviously contains some metaphor. But Mixed Metaphor Studios, we're working together with Jesse to bring you the Treasure Valley Live series as of recent history. We just recorded one. Um, and we'll be posting that very shortly. But before that, I want to talk to Jesse because he's a musician. And you can see one of our Treasure Valley Live series that we recorded in the old Lower Gentry Studios with him playing along with Nate uh, Eggenbrod. And uh, it was a great set. Um, But we need to update everybody on what you have going on. Cool. Because you've released an album recently. And that was my first show with any band member. You've come a long way in the last, (laughs) as far as live performances, you've done a lot in the last, what was that, like two years? That was about two years ago, almost exactly. Yeah. And that was your first time performing with another musician. Yes. But you played guitar and sang folk music. Oh, I just played like open mics and some solo shows before that. But that, yeah, that show was like the new material. It was the Next Town's Tree stuff, actually. Um, Which is your second the, album. The second just, album. Just yeah. released. Cool. Played with the drum machine and, and with Nate on guitar. So, yeah. Right on. A lot has happened since then. Yes, it has. And I, that's actually the first question I have for you. Um, you recently decided to transition out of a regular nine to five job and into full time self-employment as a musician and sound engineer. A lot of part time artists would feel afraid to make that initial leap of faith. What advice would you give a weekend artist who wants to leave a guaranteed paycheck in order to pursue entrepreneurship in art? Oh, wow. Uh well, I didn't totally decide to do this. I got laid off, and then this was the best thing that I could imagine doing, so I'm doing this now. Um, so it was it was kind of like a somewhat forced decision. Yeah, it was a somewhat forced decision, but at the same time... You I have a resume. Like, and... I was preparing for this for years. Like, I wanted to do this. I wanted to run a studio. I wanted to make music, and so I've been kind of organizing my life for years to try to figure out how to do that. So when I got laid off, I already had the studio here. Nate and I built it together. He had moved. Um, and he and I had talked about kind of going into business together at some point and like running the studio together. And then he moved. So then it was just up to me to do it, um, which is both great and sad because he's awesome collaborator and awesome engineer. Anyway, um, so what would I recommend? What advice would I give to weekend artists um because it's terrifying it's totally terrifying i thought about it for a while and then somebody (laughs) offered me a job at a company that i'm not going to name because they are not a sponsor of this podcast but uh it was like it fell on my lap and it was hp he works at hp oh my gosh (laughs) now they have to sponsor yeah Yeah, i guess like product placement (laughs) yeah where's the weasel them into weasel them into uh, paying for part of this but uh you know it's it, it, it was just easy for me to slide right into there because yeah. it's like it's every paycheck it's a certain amount and then you can plan yeah that's really really nice so it's definitely there's a lot of fear like that that doesn't go away just because i'm doing it it's like uh, a lot of second guessing myself before i did it and then once i started it's like oh no like i don't have anything scheduled for four days or i don't ha- i don't know when my next booking is um mm-hmm what am I doing? I'm just like sitting on the couch playing guitar. Like this, is, I'm, <laughs> this isn't going to feed me. So it's still scary. Um, but it's also great. And I just 
uh, th- good things have been happening. I've uh, recorded a lot of musicians in here so far, and that's been a lot of fun. And been going to a lot of shows and open mics and meeting more musicians and just trying to find the people that uh, this place is a good fit for. The people where you know I I have an affinity with them musically, where they kind of like the same types of things, and it seems like we could make some good art together. So been meeting a lot of those people and getting referrals from other musicians and. It's going really well. So, so what is the perfect uh, mixed metaphor customer then? Oh, the perfect um, millions of dollars <laughs> to spend minimum. Yeah, minimum yeah. Liquid millions. capital of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. with <laughs> half of it up front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no guarantees on on any delivery. Uh, <laughs> That's letter A that on the list. Great. So, uh, but what's like the first thing number one then on the list? I mean, I think that the. This room is is special. It has some, you know, it's a, it's a fairly small room, but it's big enough to do drums. And uh, you can see the room if you're listening to the podcast. Just turn on the YouTube video, which the link will be in the comments, because you'll want to see the room. Because yeah, you'll see the whole room. We're yeah. filming it. We're filming it right now yeah, in yeah. the location. Also, the, yeah, the Treasure Valley Lives will take place in here from and here on out. Yeah, yeah so the next one. Yeah. So the, the room has like a particular sound. It's great for acoustic instruments. Like it's great for recording acoustic guitars, for piano, for d- live drums, and it has a particular sound that feels like it's recorded in a space, which is something I really appreciate in recordings of my favorite artists. I I don't really listen to a lot of that that kind of pop music that sounds like it's recorded in this kind of space chamber um, where there's no sense of any room and everything's coming from different directions. Some of that music's great, but that's not really the things I tend towards. So. When I'm talking to artists, I think if people have an affinity towards that kind of music, that's something that feels a little bit raw and authentic and has some, like has a live performance in it. It's not just pure looping um, and just these big reverb spaces. Any kind of genre that fits that can be a good fit here. I think only thing we don't really do well is you know, like kind of hard rock genres. You just need a bigger room, you need a different kind of drum kit, you need different microphones to do metal drums and hard rock drums so that doesn't really fit but uh any kind of indie rock indie folk country any of those country adjacent Mm -hmm. um so bluegrass americana um all that kind of stuff works really well in here Mm. what uh, what albums have been have been recorded in this space so far um gosh since i started doing it um i don't think any of those have been released yet Uh, was optiflin Optiflin recorded in here uh, last right before Nate left, so yeah. that was the last thing. Um, and actually, one of the songs on that album I recorded in um, the second bedroom in there. Mm. It was like while Nate and I were building this space, I re- I set up a little studio in there and recorded that song, uh, "Edge of the Midwest," in there, which is really fun. Uh, we recorded drums <laughs> in this tiny bedroom, and it kind of worked. So. Um, the, I've got this project I'm working with my buddy Alan Keller, and the project name is Prairie Mountain Plain. And it's a shoegaze record, and Jens Karras played drums on it, and Alan did all the guitar work and bass work and vocals, and it's this kind of dreamy shoegaze record that's really cool. It turned out great. So that'll be coming out in probably a month or so. Oh, it's nice. It's mastering this week. So Okay. And you um, take care of a lot of the, I mean, the tracking mixing and i'm guessing you do quite a bit of producing with uh, artists that come in as well yeah the producing really just depends on what the artist wants whether they just want me to engineer and i chase them around with microphones or whether they want more advice on song structure or even lyrics um 
usually where I fall in is is in trying to give them advice on um, what instrumentation we want to use, like where we want to, we might need something to add to the chorus to make it pop a little bit more, which you could do with just mixing, but it's going to work better if you, if you influence that in the arrangement rather than just in the mixing. And so I'll give artists advice on that. And even just finding session musicians. So I'm working on this uh, country song with Lexi Young's right now. So I've been helping her just find players in town that really fit her vibe. And um, that song's turning out really well. That'll also be out this month. Um, Lexi Young's West Coast Cowboy. So West you have Girl. been productive in spite of having four days off every once in a while. Or oh, yeah. I've recorded <laughs> a lot. Um, and you know, there's a lot of artists that come in here that that don't have big ambitions to be famous or, or, you know, write the best song. They just have been writing songs for a long time and they want to get a good recording of it. So I've got some, some folks who've come in to do that. They're just recording guitar and vocals live and, um, you know, but basically just sharing those recordings with friends and family. And then I've had a few like parents come in that want to record their kids songs. So a couple like these two, I think it's like 17 year old girls came in and they sang this duet together on a ukulele and it was real cute and it turned out great. So I do all sorts of stuff. Um, right on. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about your creativity. Actually, okay. I'm going to jump around in my list of questions. Hopefully that doesn't. Wait, wait, can I interrupt off. real fast? But the, your, your latest album was recorded in the studio as well, oh, right? Yeah. Next Town's Trees was recorded in here. Um, and I do have like a little room in, in the house that I record a lot of stuff in as well. Uh, that's where like a bunch of the synthesizers are. So stuff gets recorded in there too. But this is where all the drums were done and all the guitars, all that stuff. Mm. And we spent a lot of time in that room because that's where you did quite a bit of the idea sketching for yes. Stock to the Table Rock, which is Lower Gentry Studios has a film that we just finished. Jesse recorded the score for that. Um, and I kind of want to talk to you about that. Okay. Because uh, we talk about creativity as being an iceberg sometimes. The stuff that you share publicly or that you release is usually about 10% of the stuff that you actually sit down and do. Most, most people, most artists, um, seeing you write the score for our film, Stockton to Table Rock, I was lucky enough to see your organization of musical thoughts and I was really impressed. Hmm. Can you share a bit about how you come up with musical ideas and how you organize them for later? And I want to know this and I want to hear a little bit of your explanation because it was really good. I have a journal where yeah. I just like put a date on there. And uh-huh. so as soon as I put it in there, I don't remember the vibe. Uh-huh. I don't remember what's going on. I have to like go back through hundreds of things. Right. If I'm like, I think I did this right around this time. And then it's a mess. Okay. But yours is pretty legit. I've been doing it for a while. I switch. I do video of everything. Okay. Uh, because I, I play guitar in lots of weird tunings and capos and weird finger positions. I don't usually know what I'm playing. So if I don't record video, I'll forget how to play the song and it's lost forever. Mm-hmm. So anytime I find a song idea, I pull out my camera, take a video, and then it just gets stored in the cloud somewhere. And then I come back to it later. So here's a good example. Like Stockton was one, but I'm recording an EP right now um, of my own music and so I decided I was going to do this project maybe three or four months ago and went through the last year of videos in my cloud storage, mm-hmm. found all the ones where I'm playing guitar, downloaded them all, and then just like listened to them all. Yeah. So I'm just driving around listening to them all. And then I've, I started identifying ones where I'm like, oh, that's a, there's a song or there's an idea or there's like a guitar part that I might put somewhere else. And then just make a big old spreadsheet and I rank everything. 
and and then it just gets narrowed down from there. So you like spreadsheets. I, I do. That's part of that's part of your experience working in private sector, I suppose. Huh? I don't think I like spreadsheets, but I'm very comfortable working in spreadsheets. <laughs> you use it uh, as a tool. I'm not doing some like algorithmic scoring to which I could do, I guess that'd be kind of fun. Like, you know, you could rate the quality of the song, like, you know, try to make an album be filled with enough fast songs, slow songs, happy songs, sad songs. I guess you could build an algorithm for that, but that's not very interesting to me. Yeah. But it was really cool to see how in Stockton, you ended up with that spreadsheet of a whole bunch of different ideas, which then transformed into a spreadsheet of musical cues, which was super helpful for me, for me to insert the music at the right time and the BPM and the key and all that stuff. It was so well organized uh on the on the tail end that i i don't know it felt like the that must help your artistic creativity process to not have to have that in the back of your mind is that yeah for sure i offload that because like the actual logic session for stockton is a total cluster like it is yeah it's a it is a messy. mess so the spreadsheet's very organized mm-hmm. and the spreadsheet gets updated regularly but this the session is like a thousand musical ideas and I don't know which ones are going to come alive and which ones aren't. And so that's the messy part. And then you got to have some kind of structure or it just never gets done. Do you have any advice for people if they get offered the job of scoring a feature film organizational or otherwise? Um, don't work with the Norton brothers. (laughs) (laughs) What advice do I have? I no, we're great, right? Oh, you're great. (laughs) Good. I would actually say, work really close with your with your production team um, because you're going to come up with ideas that might be fine ideas, but they don't fit. Um, and they might not fit because they're bad and they might not fit because the director has a different idea. And that's just how it goes. It's, it's a true collaboration and you're not in charge. So yeah, work really close with the, with your director. And I, I just did a, a film with a film score with Jodine. Um, what's Jodine? Jodine Revere. Um, did a film score with her and I worked closely with her because I was exploring ideas with her and I was like, this is super cool. I sent it to her. She's like, I like it, but it's too busy. I'm like, that's fair. And so what I ended up doing is I just sent her like six different ideas for the same 30 seconds of the film. And I was like, which of these, like, give me, give me your feedback on each of these. And that helped me narrow in on what she was looking for. Mm -hmm. And then once we figured out that first 30 seconds, then the rest came together really fast. Because yeah. you were referencing that in other areas of the exactly. film and stuff. Was yeah. that one more li- like Liet motif? Or um, is there less score in that one in general? Yeah, there's almost no... There's really no Liet motif. Like no melody really stands out. There's like a, f- a four-note thing that happens regularly, but it's so slow that the listener's never going to notice that. Mm-hmm. Or the audience will never notice that probably. It'll just feel connected. It'll feel like, oh, I'm still in the same musical space. Maybe still like a similar guitar sound, similar key, but no one's going to know like, oh yeah, it's the same repeating pattern throughout the whole key, the whole score. Oh, Gosh. nice. How was the logic session on that one? Much cleaner. <laughs> yes. I, I learned a lot from 900 tracks. Because <laughs> like Stockton, I went, I went vertically instead of horizontally. So I think the first logic session in Stockton was, it got to like 300, 400 tracks. Mm-hmm. And then I had to start over and go, and start working horizontally, which was really obvious after I figured that out, but yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's tricky. There's a lot of cues. <laughs> yes. Um, so talking about uh, 
sharing a small percentage of what you create, it was interesting seeing all of portion while we were working together on the film score, a portion of some of the ideas that you have Mm -hmm. um, just in the background. So when you're creating something, how do you know if a melody, a melody or chord progression, a riff beat uh, can be fleshed out into a song? And when do you just throw it into your vault? It sounds like maybe you put everything in the vault and then maybe just pull stuff out later. How does, how does that work? For you when do you everything know goes like, in the vault okay yeah even the bad ideas they okay. get documented somewhere and how do you know if it's good i don't know it really is just like picking up a guitar playing it again and sometimes you know transposing that onto a, another instrument and seeing if it if it inspires me like i've got this song that was supposed to be on the ep and i cut this week because i've been trying to record the guitar part for the last two weeks and every time i did it it's boring um, I just like, I'm so bored playing it <laughs> that I couldn't get any, I couldn't get inspired to, to do anything else, which is weird. I think it'll come back alive someday, that song. Cause I like the original recording of it, but it's just not working for me right now. So it got abandoned. So yeah. if you lose interest in it, when you come back and touch it again, if you're not interested in it, you just leave it alone for a while. Yeah. Have you ever had something that you were like, Oh, this is such a horrible idea. I don't know what I was thinking, but then. Later on, you went back and looked at it, and you thought, oh, this fits here. Um, yeah, the Yes, I'm Angry song from Next Town's Trees is a good example of that, where I was stuck on that song. I cut it from the album probably five times, brought it back, and then I one day just went in and added a bunch of MIDI instruments, like strings and like all the orchestral percussion sounds, <laughs> and it's like I was just kind of annoyed with it, so just throwing shit at it for fun, and... Um, and I put it away, came back to it a week later. I was like, oh, that's like kind of cool. And then I showed it to Nate, who was recording the album with me. And I was like, this, I think there's something here. Can we chase this idea? So we spent a day in the studio just like recording everything in here, making noises. And he just chased me with one mic all, over, all around the room. And that's how we created that, basically that whole arrangement. Hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of want to talk to you about that too. Okay. Um, but first, actually, I have a follow-up question on that, but I want to talk to you about your your two albums that okay. you have released first. Um, your first album, Radishes, Radishes and Flowers, that was you adapting poetry of Wallace Stevens to music. Yep. And your next album, Next Town's Trees, you wrote your own lyrics. Yeah. And can you elaborate on the differences between the songwriting process for those two albums? Yeah, I think Radish's using those poems was closer to, like the feeling was closer to working on Stockton. um, Okay. Where I'm trying to, I have another input in the world to like pull ideas from. Yeah. Not just my own brain or my own emotions or my own idea of what I'm trying to do artistically. And that was really great. It's like, it makes things feel a little bit more free and less um, like emotionally draining. Okay. And so working on Next Town Streets is a lot of very personal songs and sometimes it's just really hard like like do I really want to produce this song today where I'm like digging into this like memory um which you know maybe they, the lyrics aren't always super explicit but for me they like bring back a very specific memory often. Yeah. Um so that's just a lot there's a lot more weight involved in that. I'm finding that with this EP as well. There's a lot of very personal songs and some of them are just hard to work on. I have to be in the right mood. Where Radishes is more like creating this thing that sits apart from me. 
quasi intellectual more so um i don't like that word oh okay but <laughs> sure <laughs> we could debate that one <laughs> yeah i suppose um, i mean obviously reading poetry evokes a certain amount of emotion yeah but it's there's a degree of separation there are you kind of yeah saying? there's like separation i mean it's like it's there's a ton of there's a lot of artifice in making art and some people it's more direct and expressive or like self-expression and some people it's more artifice like david bowie's a great example the one people always point to it's like mm. he created this character and the character is the thing singing yeah not david bowie um so that's more like the wall stevens project for me i'm like i'm embodying this character it's not intellectual in like a it's not analytical it's okay. still emotive but i'm not being myself either yeah, the same way like an actor wouldn't really necessarily think of their enterprise as 100% intellectual. There we go. Even though it does have craft behind it, which is yeah. sometimes more intellectual. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a great example. Right on. And how did you feel about the the process of writing lyrics? When did you start to dive into that oh. hardcore? Because obviously with your first album, if you were pulling, and you, you took yeah. the poems, you didn't take the poems verbatim. Right obviously, because you needed to restructure the, 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 the poetry into a way that makes sense into a song. Yeah. But then how did that inform your lyric writing, um, your poetry reading, obviously, I would imagine, and, and yeah, just figuring out how to take your words and put it in the music? I mean, that was really intentional. I'm trying to think like a short version of this story. While I was writing Radishes, I knew, I was like, oh, I really want to do this music thing. Like, this is great. Yeah but I'm not going to be like the poetry guy, the guy that just takes other people's poems and, <laughs> and sings them because there's yeah. something super cheesy about that. Uh, <laughs> and, and now I, we're moving on to Shakespeare's sonnets. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like it. I love that project, but um, that's not the thing I wanted to do forever. So I started writing a lot. I, started, I just like made a daily practice of writing and I took this poetry class with a um, with a BSU professor, Carrie Webster, and a bunch of local poets that were just incredible, and finished a little chapbook of poems, and that kind of got me back in the practice of writing and editing. And since then, I just kind of kept that up. So I, I have reams of poetry. I have more random poetry that will never see the light of day than I have songs, for sure. Um, and so when I'm looking for lyrics, I like go back into that stuff usually. Okay. Yeah. So you have your separate lyric creation process outside of the music yeah. creation process. Yeah. And sometimes that's not true. I guess sometimes it's like I sit down with a guitar and start singing. But yeah. usually if I do that, it's like the most trite, boring, cliched thing in the whole world. That you and can then go and <laughs> change change the metaphor that you're using to something that hasn't been said a million times. Yeah, over. it's usually it just <laughs> doesn't imagery. usually work. Um, there's like a, there's a mumble method. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but like mumble the mumble method is basically rooted in the idea that melody is the primary thing in music. Like the lyrics matter for sure, but the melody is most important. Only like there's not that many good melodies over any given instrumentation part, and the melody also guides you to lyrics that make sense. It doesn't make sense to certain, sing certain things at a certain melody. Mm -hmm. um, so I usually start with melody, and then I go looking for lyrics. So you um, speak in tongues while you're singing, or I while do, you're playing yeah. guitar. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm going to translate this into what... Yeah, just say was, I was meant to this say. This babble kind of sounds word. like, <laughs> yes, I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't we talk about um phonemes recently oh yeah yeah it's yeah you just say a bunch of phonemes like there's an f sound here yeah fun and what the fuck yeah it's actually more like star wars speak yeah <laughs> exactly job of the hut yeah <laughs> to do a job of the hut impression translate it back into english um so last question for you jesse uh in art we all hone our skills constantly and we're always improving. Music skills include learning to play various instruments, developing a singing voice, honing a live performance, composing music and melodies, and even in your case, figuring out auto, audio engineering aspects um, of turning your ideas into something you can share on albums or the internet or however you decide to sell it or share it. How do you decide to focus your energy on, proving, on improving your skill set and which areas of music and music production do you feel most accomplished? I want to ask you that because I kind of think of you as a jack of all trades, being able to hmm. write your lyrics, write your music, essentially play a vast majority of the instruments on your albums, yeah. mix it. Um, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure you did quite a bit of the mixing, and or you might have outsourced mm-hmm. it on that one. Or yeah, I did the roughs and then sent them off to a pro. Yeah, so. but you have you have all those areas. Like, where do you focus your time? Where do you feel I don't most know. comfortable? Like, where's your where's your zone? Can you tell me the answer? Where should I spend my time? Because <laughs> that's kind of the question you I know, have. <laughs> you really need to get better at. No, I, I like okay. Like, drum recording is super hard and technical. Okay, um, we were doing this shoegaze project. I know how to record drums. I've recorded plenty, but that shoegaze sound is like a very particular sound. So I, I spent a few days just like learning about all these weird drum mic techniques and like which microphone should you put like in different places and what combos of microphones in the room make a different sound like given your room material like a lot of really technical stuff so like I spent a ton of time learning about that it was really fascinating and I'm like way better at drum recording than I was a few months ago um so I just kind of go in phases I like to learn things but I think the core thing I'm good at is and the, the things I need to be good at is like, I need to be able to write songs, which is like mostly about melody and harmony. Okay. Um, and I find being good at guitar is really helpful for that. So I got kind of sloppy at guitar sometime in the last year. I wasn't playing just casually very much. I was performing and I could perform my songs, but I wasn't just playing. And I got in the last few months since I went full time as an artist, been playing guitar a lot and I've been able to write way more interesting things and actually this whole ep i i couldn't even have performed it six months ago because there's a lot of really technical guitar stuff happening um you won't hear that when you listen to the ep that's the trick is like you're not supposed to hear that it's technical um so getting good at guitar uh, i have to you have to think about singing like singing is a whole technique thing if you don't sing regularly you're bad at singing you can't Mm -hmm. perform the parts um so I don't know. It it is like jack of all trades. I like I like the whole process of recording music in particular. Um and that requires being able to play a bunch of instruments, understand the studio, understand preamp impedance matching to microphones. It's like you yeah. go down in the weeds and then back up to the melody. So go yeah, you have to do all all the things. Sounds like you experiment a lot. Oh in definitely. all the areas. Yeah. And so it keeps you from getting too bored and maybe falling falling into a rut where you're just like, yeah, stuck playing guitar or whatever and trying to get this one riff out for like two weeks. Yeah, you can give that a rest. Like that's not usually that important, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like the important thing is that 
the music you make has a feeling to it. You don't have to have fancy mics. You don't have to have good guitars. You don't even have to be good at guitar. You just have to like have the feeling in it. And getting lost in the weeds can also be detrimental to the art for sure. Yeah. Um, so it becomes way too technical and then the emotion is removed from it. Yeah. Too intellectual. Too perhaps. intellectual. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us and, and having us in your studio, Jesse. So Mixed Metaphor Studios, mixed people metaphor. can Google that, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. And get Run. in touch with you about recording if they want to. And, and yeah. they can go to Bandcamp. Bandcamp for the albums. Buy your albums. Yeah. Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram if you want to record something. For shows that are coming up. And shows. Yeah. All that stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Yep.